Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM. Channel 127, welcome to Progress After Dark. Good evening to everybody out there on the West Coast, driving home in your vehicles. Hello to everybody else in the Middle and the East Coast. Welcome to Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. I'm John Fugel saying, here in Manhattan, New York City, Thea is producing us from Brooklyn. Chris, our executive producer, is being executive in production-like down in South Carolina. And for the next couple hours, we're going to be with you right here on Channel 127 at 866-997-4748. And we will be taking apart the news. There's a lot we got to get to. The U.S. has launched another round of airstrikes on Iranian-linked targets in Syria. I thought we pulled out of Syria and the Russians took over our military bases. That was under Trump. We're always at war somewhere. U.S. bases in Iraq have been under assault from the region since shortly after October 7th. I thought we pulled out of Iraq. Yes, but we've still got military bases there to guard, you know, all our oil that's under their sand. Ivanka Trump took the stand today in her family's civil trial in New York City. The year isn't over, but climate scientists from the EU are saying that 2023 is on track to be the hottest year in recorded history by a mile. Uh, House Republicans have subpoenaed Hunter Biden and the president's brother, James Biden, as part of their impeachment inquiry. By impeachment inquiry, we mean pretend to have an impeachment inquiry so you can just uh, humiliate the incumbent as much as you possibly can. And the day after having his agenda derailed by the beautiful voters of Virginia, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin has announced he will in no way seek a presidential run in 2024. And friends... I always say, I will tell you when I'm wrong about something, and I love it most of the time when I'm wrong about stuff. And, and uh, boy, I have been saying my biggest fear is a contested GOP convention in this coming summer where the party elders take the party away from nominee and convicted felon, because he will be a convicted felon by August, Donald Trump, and hand it to Glenn Squeaky Clean Youngkin. Not going to happen now. The deal now is, if these Republicans want to have a nominee, it's either going to be Trump or one of these things at the Republican debate tonight. Oh, that's right. You didn't know? Tonight at the Republican debate, five GOP powerhouses square off to see who can be only 50 points behind the frontrunner Donald Trump. Who isn't here? Don't miss the third debate, because only one can be a distant second. 
We are joined by the host of The Bob Seska Show, one of the smartest guys in the game. If you don't subscribe to The Bob Seska Show, you are missing one of the best podcasts about politics and music. Uh, and some of you guys are fanboys from The Stephanie Miller Show. Bob Seska, the happy election hangover. Welcome. Thanks so much, John. Yeah, I was talking to Charlie Pierce about the JFK assassination on my podcast today and uh, lots of interesting conversation. Obviously, in an hour, you can't get into all the granular detail of everything. But, you know, we actually kind of covered some additional things just there when we thought we were in a commercial break. So I'm glad I was able to flesh that out and add that supplemental material to my show today. I could talk about the JFK assassination all day. It's like talking about Jaws or the Godfather movies or Star Wars. It's just it's endlessly <laughs> fascinating too. to me. Uh, but yeah. let's talk about more recent history. David Axelrod has been pried off the ceiling and people are beginning to calm down a bit that, oh, Joe Biden had some bad polls a year before Election Day. Um, You know, I I said in the last segment that last night was the only polls that matter. I don't really think it's about people voting for Biden. I think it's about people rejecting the Republican agenda. Stick with me on this, John, because this is a little bit circuitous. It's kind of like a Rachel Maddow A block where she starts one place and ends up in some place completely different. Now, today okay. on Twitter, today Take on Twitter, with you. I posted a video from the 1966 Batman series where Batman had run for mayor against the Penguin and he ended up winning despite all the polls saying that he was going to lose. And yeah. in this scene that I posted, you got Chief O'Hara and Commissioner Gordon and Mayor Linseed all lamenting about how embarrassed they were that they believed the polls. I can't believe I'm so ashamed, Chief O'Hara said. And you know what? I posted that for obvious reasons, because the the polls are wrong. The pundits have been wrong about this. It's constant Democrats in disarray. And yet just about every election since 2017, the Democrats have come out victorious. They've overperformed, as they say. And so along those lines, I realized that You know what? That's not the first time I posted that Batman video to illustrate this point. (laughs) I've posted that Batman video in many other previous elections. And that just goes to show the kind of situation that we're in, where every single time they keep whizzing on the electric fence, John. They keep going there saying that there's going to be disaster and there's not disaster. It's amazing how that works. And already people like Jonathan Chait are like tripling down and starting to talk about the next election and how Joe Biden's doomed. It's like they don't learn the lesson yeah. or or they're being paid in order to not learn the lesson. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to get too conspiratorial about it. Speaking of the JFK assassination, but it's it, it, they keep going to the same. Well, they keep trying the same thing over and over again, and it never turns out well for them. And yet everyone keeps their jobs. It's amazing how that works. I know. I know. I mean, I, I, how concerned are you about RFK Jr. and Cornell West? Not at all. I'm not mm. concerned about Dean Phillips either. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think any of them. I mean, look, ultimately, Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. And the sooner we wrap our heads around the fact that Joe Biden's going to be renominated as the incumbent president with all the heft of the White House backing him up, which is crucial. None of the other people on the bench have that to brag about. None of the other people on the bench have four years of being president and having an historic record of Mm -hmm. job creation and everything else, infrastructure spending, spending on the climate crisis, record spending on the climate crisis. And no one else can brag that. But what we have to do is... Oh, do this concern trolling bit where, oh, well, Joe Biden's old, don't you know? So therefore, 
what what are we talking about here i mean yeah john I, I i watch the news every day you and i do this all the time we've got our faces pressed up against our computer screens 24 7 and i have yet to see a single news story leak out of the white house about joe biden falling asleep at uh, cabinet meetings or yeah. being disengaged in policy discussions or anything like that and you know for a fact that if that were happening that would absolutely get out and it would lead every would. single new york times front page above the fold every day if it was happening and it's not happening we're not hearing yeah. any of that you know there's gaffes gaffes happen you know what joe biden was doing gaffes in 19 in the 1980s when i first started He's always been a gaff machine always yeah. been a gaff machine and, and and you know like i expect senior moments right like i expect yeah. a few senior yeah. moments he walks on a stage and there's no one there telling him which way to go I, you know like it happens to everybody and and so right, when it's right. an old person it looks even worse but it's happened to me plenty of times so i get it what i think is a lot of the people in the media are after three years of this kind of getting bored with the biden is old meme and it's yeah. all going to come down, I think, more and more to issues. And I think the big victory of last night might be refocusing our media into realizing that, you know, you can try to scare people all you want and try to desperately to get your Trump size ratings back mm -hmm. because that's what this is about. Right. I mean, I said last night, journalists like Joe Biden, but the people who write their checks and own the media, they miss their Trump size ratings. They miss their Trump size tax cut. And they really want to have some Trump sized uh, dismissal of unions and uh, environmental regulations. So it's like yeah. the big money is going to be going after Biden no matter what. And they're going to try to scare and demoralize everyone. It seems like the GOP playbook is going to be Biden's just as shitty as the rest of us, which is what Trump ran on Hillary Clinton in 2016. Look at it. Look at look at her husband's mistresses. They're just mm -hmm. as bad as me, folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And despite all of that, I think one thing the news media is really tired of is, uh, I don't know, it's a few things, actually. Decency, decorum, being presidential, normalcy, you know, uh, stable foreign policy and steady leadership, thoughtful leadership. These are things that's boring. They, those those don't make great headlines, John. But of course, <laughs> uh, shrieking conspiracy theories about winning 50 states and and uh, and, you know, four criminal trials and 91 criminal counts and all the rest of that makes headlines. And so, you know, obviously, if you're in a for profit business, more headlines like that sell more papers, get more clicks, get more downloads, like shares, et cetera. And uh, that's what rules the school these days, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it, it's uh, that's what leads the way. I mean, it's, you know, nothing new. You know, Patty Jayevsky was talking about this, uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago. You're but right. here we are. And it's even worse now with the Internet. I mean, obviously, we've had the 24 hour news cycle. Now we've got the 24 second news cycle. And so that needs to be filled somehow. And they'd rather fill it with Donald Trump madness uh, for the, another four years. Knowing but full that's well, it, right? That that's Trump, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and, and that's knowing, it. Yeah. And, and, and knowing that they themselves are the are have been labeled the enemies of the people by Donald Trump. So it is a gamble that they're trying to uh, uh, roll the dice on here. So, yeah, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I want to bring in some listeners in a second. But first, Bob, I, I have to ask you about this. Everyone's been talking all week about the New York Times Siena poll showing that Joe Biden was losing to Donald Trump in six of the seven swing states. And as yeah. I've said every day, that wasn't a poll of random Americans. It was a poll of people who answer their landline phones. It was a poll of people who answer their cell phone when they don't know who's calling. Stop yeah. thinking the polls are the word of God. 
I think people probably should have been paying more attention to something in the Washington Post on Sunday than the New York Times poll, which was the truly terrifying article to me, I'm telling everyone to read this, about Donald Trump's Project 2025 plot and how if he is reelected, we're going way beyond Nixon's enemies list. They are already gearing up to actually use the levers of government and justice against people who've told the truth about Donald Trump after working with him and even using the Insurrection Act to slaughter American citizens who are protesting. Yeah, this is military dictatorship in the waiting. Uh, This is not something, it's not a crazy conspiracy theory. This is, I mean, there's a website for it. These are uh, Trump allies, Republican thought leaders, and, uh, you know, other think tank people all pooling their, whatever fascist tendencies they have into one big pile of, as I said, military dictatorship. What, This part of the plan, the specific part of the plan that was covered in this most recent Washington Post piece has to do with the plan. And this is something that's going to happen. If Donald Trump becomes president, this will absolutely happen. He's going Mm -hmm. to employ, as you said, the Insurrection Act to uh, to call up the military to put down civil protests. Yeah. To start arresting and disappearing American citizens who protest against Trump or uh, protest in support of BLM or (laughs) what have you. This is I mean, and we know what happens when the American military is ordered by the president to round people up summarily. Oftentimes they are disappeared. They vanish without any habeas corpus or legal representation whatsoever. We've seen this. See also Guantanamo. But, uh, you know, there's nothing in the thing that says about nothing in the uh, uh, nothing in the uh, mandate for leadership in the Project 2025 about Guantanamo. But I right. think we can start to infer certain things based on what there's what this plan is all about. And that's that's only one part of it. That's only one prong of the plan, the Insurrection Act prong of the plan. They also want to start arresting trans people because they label this project labels them as pornographic or obscene. If trans Mm. people are out in public, they are summarily labeled as overtly sexual and therefore sexually obscene or, as I said, pornographic. So that's another aspect of this. Donald Trump, part of this plan is to fire 50,000 government workers. These are real people with real jobs and, and real houses and real families and real lives. And Donald Trump with a Thanos snap is going to fire 50,000 of them and then replace them all with sycophants who will do exactly what Donald Trump wants to do. This is Donald Trump taking over what he regards as being the deep state, which is just the federal bureaucracy. Right. And so that's another prong of the plan. It goes on and on and on. I urge you. Oh, yeah. The other thing is he wants to put the Department of Justice under the direct control of the White House, as well as the FCC and the FTC. Yep. Project 25, 2025, this is 1000 percent real. And we need to start taking this seriously rather than playing grab ass about Joe Biden being 80 years old. This is ridiculous. We've got to prioritize. This is an all hands on deck situation. One thousand percent. Bob, what, what's what do you think of the over under on uh, if Donald Trump were to get a second term? How long would it take for him to start showing up at appearances dressed in full military garb? And would he make appearances with his sons dressed in full military garb as well? Because I'm getting a strong Qaddafi, yeah. Uday and Kuse vibe here. I wouldn't be surprised. I think if Donald Trump actually had respect for the military, he might dress up that way. 
But as mm-hmm. we've seen, Donald Trump believes the military is full of suckers and losers, especially That's military true. veterans, which he's on true. record as saying. And along those lines, in fact, going back to 2020 uh, Project 2025, uh, John Kelly, who's the source of that particular story. That's one of the people Donald Trump wants to arrest and have investigated, you know, because he was mean to Trump. That I mean, that's yes. essentially the litmus test for who's going to get arrested. If you've been mean to Trump, you're on Donald Trump's enemies list and you will get prosecuted by the DOJ, which would obviously be the, you know, the the police wing of the White House under Donald Trump. That's how that would work. So let me ask you this. I think Donald Trump wants to be president really badly for many, many reasons, legal and financial. It might be the only way he saves himself from oblivion, even though if he got the White House, I still don't know that he could do it. Should we expect him to not ever mention that he's the guy behind the gutting of Roe v. Wade ever again? Because I don't think Donald Trump's going to be talking about it too much. No, he's he's like he's going to be repeating that over and over again between now and November. In fact, the discussion all day today uh, in the Red Hat Entertainment Complex, even on Fox News, I know Gutfeld was talking about it tonight. They're they're going for a national ban. They're saying we really need to emphasize now a national ban. Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, was talking about, yeah, we really have to push for a national abortion ban now, especially when they see results like we saw in Ohio. How do we get around that? A national ban. And so that's going to be the thing. So, I mean, talk about whizzing on the electric fence. This is a Republican Party that's going to keep becoming more and more extreme and going, why, oh, why can we not win these elections? I don't understand what's going on. Well, we know exactly what's going on. They're too extreme for the American people, and the American people are beginning to reject them election after election after election. This is not rocket science. I think it's obvious in terms of what's going on with this Republican Party and why they keep losing. And this is a big reason why this abortion issue is a uh, is a huge factor in all of this. And they're just getting worse about it. Picked a great time to have a brand new Speaker of the House who supports a full ban with no exceptions for rape or incest, wasn't it? I mean, this yep. Mike Johnson might wind up doing some good for democracy after all, Bob. Yeah, in fact, Sean Hannity was on his show last night doing election coverage and saying, that, oh, no one ever said that we wanted a, a ban without exceptions. What are you talking about? Mike Johnson said it a million times. This is what Mike Johnson's all about. It's like his main thing other than sharing porn intake with his kid for some crazy reason that kind of makes me nauseous. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk to some of our evil army of the night. Folks, we're at 866-997-4748. Please make your question or your comment or your terrible joke or your veiled threat as brief as possible. Uh, Steve in New York. Thank you for waiting on hold. You're on with the great Bob Seska. Hello. Hey, John. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention a couple of things that we talked about a couple, a couple of times before. Um, Please. I just wanted to, uh, I was telling uh, Tia, I have a couple of cousins who are Palestinian. And I know this, I didn't know that I was going to be on with Bob, but I just wanted to say that I know you've been giving, you've been giving a lot of shit. People have been fucking with you saying that, oh, you're too nice to Israel. You're too nice to the Palestinians. But the issue that I just wanted to bring up is... I, by the way, I get told I'm too nice to Israel and too nice to the Palestinians and too hard on Israel and too hard on the Palestinians every day. <laughs> All four things. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, and I just, I, just wanted, I just wanted to make this the comment that there really is no two sides to this. There is, there, this is literally, if you look at... There's, some, there's amazing interviews that uh, Craig Mokhyber, the UN uh, representative that just resigned a couple, like last week because of what the U.N. is basically not taking this seriously, and they've kind of, like, failed to protect the plight of the Palestinians going back decades, probably going back to, he goes back to Oslo. And if you look at the situation, this is really not two sides. Israel 
is in countless violations of UN Security Council resolutions, international law, going back to basically to the inception of the UN. They're in violation of like 40-some UN Security Council resolutions. And this is mm-hmm. only being done by because the United States is allowing it. Yes, I, I, and all of that is all, all of that is true, and yet the all of that is completely true, and yet Hamas are Nazi terrorists. No, of, of course they are. But John, that, that's pretty obvious to me. Like, I, I really, yeah. it's really kind of sad that we have twenty-two Democrats voting to censor Rashida Tlaib, and if you look down the list, they are literally some of the worst fucking corporate Democrats you could you could imagine. I mean, there's just there, there's just people that are like walking hand in glove with the Republican Party to basically say, oh. Let's see who could out Israel the, the, the other. I mean, but you do you find this? But, but, but do you but do you find? Let me ask Mr. Sesk as well, Bob. Do you find this that any time saying anything declarative about the Middle East, you you always have to have a qualifier? If I'm going to talk yeah. about the shitty things Israel's done, I've got to mention that Hamas are monsters. And if I'm going to mention Hamas are monsters, I've got to say it didn't happen in a vacuum over decades. Like like consistently, I, this issue continues to divide people on the left, not on the right. Right's not divided. They don't give a rat's ass about Palestinians, and they only care about Israelis because they need God to destroy them all in the tribulations. Go ahead, Bob. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that uh, the thing, and I'm not saying pro or anti what I'm about to say. I'm just, I'm going to state a fact. And the fact is that American foreign policy is established not presidential administration to a presidential administration. The president doesn't just reset American foreign policy every time. He's inaugurated or she's inaugurated. And not, that doesn't happen with Congress either. And American foreign policy, the consistent, the through line from administration to administration about this particular thing is to support the state of Israel. And so right. consequently, there are going to be, you know, obvious Democrats who are going to take that posture from the perspective of maybe actual in their hearts, uh, that kind of support, uh, you know, just the kind of moral support that you present to, to a side that you support. But it, it, on the other hand, it's it could be a matter of just trying to maintain some level of consistency uh, with that, uh, with the posture on on Israel. Yes. Can you see this is yeah, a John, topic that I'm really, really comfortable talking about <laughs> it's tired yeah, it's no, tricky man if you go back to the, if you go back to the blockade everybody says people are lying like blinken and austin and biden they keep lying to their fucking teeth when they when they keep saying that it goes back to to basically saying that israel basically turned over uh gaza in 2006 when hamas got elected hamas got right. elected if no chomsky routinely says hamas gets elected and they immediately start bombing the gaza strip they basically lied and said oh but Israel gave, Ariel Sharon gave back the Gaza Strip back in 2006. That is a fucking lie also because they gave it back, but they continued to do the blockade. And as Craig Mulkyber points out over and over again on his interviews, a great great one to Amy Goodman last week on Democracy Now!, that is a blatant violation of international law. The blockade of Gaza is a a violation of international law. And everything the United States does, they're basically like Israel's sugar daddy, John, where Israel can do anything kind of like the bully on the playground they know they can do anything because hey my big brother is going to beat you up because i can pick on anybody i want and i want yeah, the backing of big dash united states that's so the rap yeah it's a lie that 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 gaza was turned over the blockade still exists and we got to look at the root of the problem like no trump gave a government say the problem right. is of course you're going to have a reaction you're going to have an uprising like this if you keep people in an open air cage in the gaza strip in the west bank of ramallah and east jerusalem 
people are going to react and rebound like a cage. If they're a cage rat, they're Steve. of course going to be doing that. So obviously what Moss did was bad on October 7th, but we have to look at the root of why that happened. I'm we have to, and we, we got to keep both balls in the air. We got to keep both balls in the air because when there is ever any kind of negotiated peace, it's going to enrage both sides. And our hope is for the next yeah. generation we, to cut this violent. Never, Steve, I got, we got to hit a break, Steve. I'm sorry. We, okay. Steve, much love to you. We got to hit a break. I'm so sorry. Bob, before I let you go, um, yes. what are you optimistic about and how can our listeners follow you? I'm optimistic about next year's election. Much more than I was prior to yesterday. That's for sure. In fact, yeah. I feel a lot better about the uh, the veracity of the American voter <laughs> today than I did yesterday. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. A little concern there, but uh, I think that uh, that concern has been assuaged by yet another big election for Democrats. I'm going to put my trust in not trusting polls. The great Bob Sesker, everyone, thank you so much for joining us, Bob. It's always a pleasure to have you every Wednesday. we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. We're at 866-997-4748. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. I'm John Fugel saying this is SiriusXM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Let's just get right back to your calls, because I know some of y'all been waiting on hold for a very long time. Rich in Indiana, thank you so much. You're on Progress. Hey, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I wanted to talk about separation of church and state and how stuff Please. is getting muddy. Please. Um, we're dealing with power grabs, and uh, I've been harping on this concept of clericalism, and what it uh, manifests as, basically, is simply toxic authority. Uh, you get uh, rights being taken away from us, um, that's what they're doing with the Supreme Court decisions, and that couldn't be more clerical. And um, the the tools that we have access to uh, for our argument uh, are in our Constitution and elsewhere. 
the mm-hmm. French have something that is, uh, I think, probably pretty useful. I, I need to get at it a lot more. But What's that? it uh, happened in what was referred to as the anti-clerical movement. And um, the name of this law, which was codified in 1905, is called the laicite. It's one word. It's mm-hmm. capital L-A-I. What, is it, what does it mean? I, I, you, I don't need the spelling. What does it mean? Okay. The laicite, uh, as a, uh, simply um, the, um, uh, the, the basis of its Latin and, uh, and uh, French, uh, it means lace means of the people in French, mm-hmm. and um, in uh, Latin, lycus uh, is uh, from the Greek lakos, and that again is of the people. Right. And so the thing that we understand quickly is uh, the, wor- the, the word uh, a layperson, somebody who's not in the church. Okay. Who is just of the people, and so a layperson, as our pronunciation of the the root used in this this term laicite. Okay. So the laicite is this separation of church and state gotcha. that was this huge battle royale that went on from the time of the revolution, uh, and. It was Napoleon that reinstated the Catholic Church as the uh, the, the French uh, state religion. Okay. And then they had to untangle themselves from that. So they've been through it like multiple times. So they've been fighting. They've been fighting it just as ferociously as we've been fighting it, just assuming different forms over and over again. And yeah. And here, here's here's the thing that I did notice: they cut the king's head off. And then they're bopping along, and they're trying to make something happen better. And they even have what they call their separation of church and state after that, right. uh, in the era that was referred to as the terrors. But things come back around again, and it is the church finding its way back into culture. Well, the thing that happened was the king was there at the behest of the church, because okay. the king needed... Uh, those prayers, those indulgences that he was paying money to the church for, and the church okay. was saying, "Yeah, you know, we've got your, we've got your soul, dude." And uh, you, you, so let's you bring, let's bring, through, or you're, let's let's bring it out home, Rich. Where, where where does all this lead us? Well, we need better arguments, and we need <laughs> to be better learned about this concept of the separation of church and state and the value it represents. Because if we are a democracy, then we have a panoply of people and interests and uh, perceptions of uh, I agree with you. And I agree. you can't have one thing and call yourself a democracy. Bless and you. I completely over- agree. Yes. All right. Thank well, thank you, man. I, listen, we need tighter <laughs> arguments, and we need more articulate arguments, and I am putting you in charge of that when we take over. Thank you so much for joining us. We're at 866-997-GRID. I want to get to as many people as we can before our next break. Nikki in Texas, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on progress. Yes. Um, I'm calling. I'm normally an independent, try to vote just on the person, the issues, et cetera. Yes. And I have had a hard time supporting abortion. But okay. you, I heard you say something while ago that you were, you had even a biblical supporting of that. I've never really been able to find that. 
Well, here's what I'll tell you. Um, even if you don't support abortion, you know, uh, m- most of the people who uh, not everyone who supports abortion rights calls themselves pro-life. And there's many people who would never dream of getting an abortion, but don't want to impose their will uh, on others. You know, my mom and dad, you know, they were churchgoers. They would never call themselves uh, pro-choice. It wasn't their way, but they would never. My mother was a nurse. She remembered what emergency rooms were like before Roe v. Wade, and they did not want to go back to that kind of culture. When it comes to the Bible, what I find very moving is that the Bible never actually condemns abortion. Uh, Judaism, Jesus's religion, never condemns abortion. There are no penalties in the Jewish faith, no punishments for terminating a pregnancy. Abortion right now in Israel is legal and abortion is free in Israel right now. Christ never mentions abortion. Christ is against the death penalty. He actually comes out against killing the sinner, but he never condemns women who have abortions, never says the government should lock up poor women who have abortions, never says we should punish poor women who can't afford another baby okay. with more so poverty. What about, just the one, what about just the one verse of thou shalt not kill? Happy to talk about it. That's in that's in the book of Exodus, right? That's where we get the Ten Commandments. It is also in Exodus where God, in Exodus chapter 21, God tells Moses a whole bunch of rules. And he says, if two men are fighting and someone strikes a pregnant woman, if that woman dies, that person pays with their life. But if just the fetus dies, if it goes out of her, that man pays a fine for killing a fetus. So God asserts in the same chapter of the Bible, that the same book where you hear thou shalt not kill, God affirms that a fetus is property and that a fetus does not have the same value as a woman's life in his eye. I would also point out God orders the slaughter of children, infants, and fetuses repeatedly in the Bible. At one point, God decides to drown every fetus on earth and every living child on earth with a flood at one point. And I know you know about Passover, right? I know you know what that was all about, where innocent Egyptian children were slaughtered by God to get the Hebrews released. What I mean is, I'm not saying the Bible endorses abortion. Right, but I'm not saying the Bible, but there was, but God does not consider people getting pregnant. I have a hard time with people that just get pregnant and go, well, I'll just get an abortion. Like, it's nothing. No, I don't know anybody who does that, but I, I, my, what I've yeah, learned as a man a is that... There's a lot of people that do that. Well, sure, but what I've learned as a man is that I have no right, and no man has any right, to tell a woman what oh. she can and can't do with their body. I mean, I, I don't have any right. I would never presume to tell you what, what you can do with your body. When do you decide that that baby up until... I mean, I have three children. And I, to me, I can't kill a baby right before it's born. It's a person. It's viable right before it's born. Yeah, it's a baby inside of you. And again, it's none of my business what a woman does. But I would say to you that a first trimester fetus is not something that can live on its own. It's not a baby. It is something that could become a yeah, baby, but, but it is not a baby it can? yet. Not well, again, even I got to tell you, it, I, I it's mean, none of it's none of my business. What I think a woman should do with her body is is what I think. No, but who's, and it, who's here to protect that child, that viable person once it does become viable? Who's something has to protect that? So if you want to go ahead and devote your I mean, do you think that women who terminate pregnancy should go to jail? I don't know about 
That's where I'm torn I, between what to do about it, but I just can't support it. You know what I'm saying? I understand. I know. I get it. Believe me, love. I, I get it, and I know your heart is coming from a good place. I, I, I would never uh, say anything unkind to you, but what, what I, I need you to understand is criminalizing abortion, and you know the majority of women who terminate pregnancies in this country are mothers, right? More than 50% of women who terminate pregnancies already have children. In many cases, this is about poverty. And you know, love, at no point in the Bible does God command the government to force rape victims to carry and bear their own children. Just because I can't support him, just because it's a day old doesn't change what it was a day uh, no one supports killing <laughs> no one supports killing a day old children there's no one Donald Trump has this before? lie that What's the difference in a day before? But, love, you've been pregnant. You know no woman is going to carry a fetus inside of her for nine months and then decide to abort it right before she has the baby unless her life's at risk. states have just passed a law that says they can do it. But no one does it. Get me the name of someone who did that because they felt like it, and I'll take the argument seriously. A federal government, I think a state-to-state thing is good. Because different okay. locations, different people. I think letting women decide with their doctors. I think letting women decide with their doctors what they should do is good. But let me let me ask you something. Does the government have a right to force American citizens to be pregnant against their will? Well, they should have thought about that before they got. No, that. no, 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 no. Does There's the no government reason for that, my dear, my dear? Does our government have the right to force American citizens to be pregnant when they don't want to be pregnant for whatever reason? Should the government have the power to force Americans to be pregnant? That's not what they're trying to do. They're trying to. That save is what they're the trying child. to do. Right, but should does no. the government? We I'm, talk a lot about freedom and liberty. I'm well, asking I'm you. I'm more interested in what you were saying. I'm going to do some studying on your biblical. Well, but, but please, or, please, please, you can do it all, and you can call back anytime. I promise, I'll always be nice to you. But I want to try to see if you can answer this question: Does the government have the right and the power to force American citizens to be pregnant when they don't want to be? Well, that's the dilemma. I think. Yeah. Because I'm torn between protecting that life. I understand. I was that way life. for I was that way for much of my life when I was younger well, until I got older and realized I had no shame in the matter. Why are they Look, forcing me to wear a seat belt that only protects me? <laughs> well, so we're having to go we're having to go along and do that too. So, yeah, but you know, again, I don't they have they a choice. Right, you don't have a choice, but again, the seat belt, but you can and make I'll the argument. To, I might go to jail and I might get fined. But you can make the I argument, love. But again, people so, who don't wear seatbelts, when you have a lot of roadside fatalities, that costs the community more. No, but that the costs the taxpayers. Protects me, right? Not but other no, fin- but financially, and it protects me. other people. Financially, it protects other people. How's that? Because I'm the one that's going to be thrown out of the car. I'm the one right. that's going to be. But the the ambulance that comes for you, the city coroners that come for you, all the costs that go into processing a dead person, that gets picked up by taxpayers in many cases. So what I'm saying is, it's not well, just about you financially. This is a community looking out I'm for itself saying, because the, people getting killed is not good. Vote. That's right, why but we it, vote. But Each but again, if, should be able to decide what they want to do. Well, I, you know what? The, my I'm problem with that is trying my, to look for your biblical backup is what I'm really Mickey, looking for. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Respectfully, John, I, I refuse to believe her when she says that she's undecided because it sounds pretty clear. When she, I know what where she she's believes. coming from. I get where she's I, coming from. And, and it sounds I, I very I, clear what she believes. 
I, I know, but I respect that she's actually open to it. Here's what I'll say, love. You the go in the Bible and you, you find out you find out for me where in the Bible they ever forbid abortion. I'll show you where Jesus is against the death penalty. Jesus does is opposed to killing the sinner. He never mentions abortion. I don't hear a lot of Christians on the right trying to make the death penalty illegal because it's what Christ said. So let's get the Christian argument out of here. Show me where anywhere okay. in the Bible there's a penalty where where women have to be punished for terminating pregnancy because if you criminalize it you're not going to stop abortion you will only stop the safe legal regulated ones you'll be letting lots of these new dr kermit gosnell butcher clinics pop up for poor women wealthy women will still just leave the state and go somewhere where they can get it poor women are going to have to hear do you know a guy who knows a guy where i can go somewhere in a garage and have this done it will cost lives and forcing poor women who can't afford more children to have more children is going to long term be terrible for a state's economy well, believe me I'm a person that doesn't like to be told by the government what to do. I can promise um, you that. Well, then but think about that as well, because I don't think the government has a right to do it. I'm between the baby. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a you. mother I know. and a great grandchildren. I'm a dad, too. I'm a dad and as well. And there's a person that their mother was going to abort them, and they didn't. And he goes, thank God she didn't. Here I am today. And, so and I'm I glad that woman had a choice. <laughs> I'm glad that woman had a choice. But my my religion, my reading of the Bible tells me that I've got to fight for the children who are already well, oh, here and I their mothers. That. And I I, the Bible does not. What you gave me. <laughs> the Bible does not tell us to punish anyone for terminating a pregnancy. That's where I'm coming from. I thank you for your call. Thank you for being okay. respectful. Let's do it again sometime. We're your happy liberal pals here every night. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the God Squad. This is SiriusXM. I am so excited to welcome the God Squad back. Yes, we're not just the only show that does a regular segment of indigenous guests. We also have the only show, I think, that has the regular installment of the powerhouse alpha progressive Christians. Keith Giles, former pastor, left the pulpit to follow Jesus and start a house church where no one takes a salary. 100% of all offerings are given to help the poor in his community. He's the author of several books, including Jesus Untangled, Crucifying Our Politics to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb, and most recently the book Second Cup with Keith for people who are deconstructing the faith they grew up in. Keith is the host, the co-host of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast and co-owner of Choir Publishing. Welcome back. Also thrilled to welcome December Rose Waddleton, author, poet, spoken word artist, and former pastor of the Restoration Center in Greenville, South Carolina, and the Rock Worship Center in West Union, South Carolina. She's also the author of The Church Can Go to Hell. Pastor Waddleton, it is always a special pleasure to say the name of your book. Thank you for being with us. And Dylan Cruz is a writer, theologian, um, a permaculture enthusiast living in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and he holds a BA in history from Millersville University and a master's degree in religion. His book is called Theological Musings, Volume 1. It's an awesome collection of essays that range from deeply personal narratives to academic overviews covering a lot of spiritual and contemporary topics. He really goes deep on biblical studies and permaculture, and he's one of the smartest guys on Twitter. Dylan, welcome as well. You guys are the God Squad. You found a name for the band. Welcome. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very Thanks much. for having us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. So before I even get into the topics you guys want to talk about, I'd love to get your thoughts on the election in our country this week and how the right is pursuing or rethinking their criminalizing abortion legislation post row after finding it to be a real loser now in two elections. You just heard the caller I think we had on uh, just before the break. I'd love to get your thoughts on what we're seeing. Um, yeah, well, I, I'll just say real quick, I, I think um, uh, I think um, the 
if we learned anything, I guess, it's that, yeah, they the Republicans should rethink that strategy if that's going to be their strategy going uh, into November of next year, because basically what they proved this election this week is that if the race is on abortion rights, uh, Democrats win. So uh, mm-hmm. they might want to rethink that. Right. Yeah. Um, but also like your caller, you know, <laughs> uh, miss a lot of I think a lot of uh, conservative Republican Christians um, mistakenly believe that somehow the Bible is anti-abortion. Boom. And it really isn't. Um, in fact, I know you've mentioned this a couple of times, but it's the truth that in in numbers, there's actually a recipe for uh, a man to go to his priest. And if he yes. thinks his wife is unfaithful and the priest will make her drink this this potion. And if she's unfaithful, the, the fetus will abort. And so, or miscarry, yep. right? And so um, that's that's in the Bible. You don't see actually, uh, you don't see God valuing the unborn life the way Christians are told um, that it is. In fact, there's even, when you talk about the way, like if, if someone, there's a fight and the woman miscarries because of violence or something, it's not the human life or human life. It's right. like you pay a couple of cows. You pay and, a fine. You pay a fine, basically, yes, because it's not it's not considered a human life for a human life. So that's just the facts if you're going to go by the Bible. That's it. And but to that verse that, that Keith just referenced in Numbers chapter 5, uh, when the priest has made her drink the water, then if she has defiled herself and has been unfaithful to her husband, the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain. Her womb shall discharge, her uterus drop, and the woman shall become an execrate catch that part about her womb shall discharge uh if anything the pro-lifers will appreciate uh the woman has no choice in the matter uh, <laughs> yes yeah, pastor rose what do you make of uh the republicans doubling down on criminalizing abortion even though it seems to be a loser for them at the ballot box well the bottom line is they just fucked up right that's it <laughs> they spent they spent how many years over I, 50 i don't know plus you it's their their yeah. their their pivotal their their prominent pillar of the republican party has always been pro-life, right? We're going to bring down Roe v. Wade. This is, every one of them run on it. None of them ever did it. I guess finally mm. Trump did it and he's taken all the credit for it. And we th- they, they could put that on, just put that on repeat reel for him. Like, well, I, I killed Roe v. Wade. Good for you. And now you killed the rest of your party's chances yeah. at, uh, being, <laughs> you know, being in any kind of majority nationwide. They fucked up, bottom line. Yeah. Women don't want the government in their bedrooms, in their bodies, yeah. in their bathrooms. Those are choices that should be made by the woman her spouse, if she has one, her family and their doctor, that th- those those choices do not belong to the government. They never have belonged to the government. And they're finding that out the hard way. It's the bot. The bottom line is that they fucked up. And it's not even just Democratic women. It's all women. Yes. There's Republican women that have had to have the, 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 the uh, you know, holy word for abortion at DNC had to have, a, you know, go in and have something done, had to have a uh, uh, assisted miscarriage, if you will, That's right. uh, with babies who are not viable or the case goes. So they're finding out that this is really, at the end of the day, just a health care issue. Thank you. And health care issues and choices belong to the people. Yeah. And Dylan, neighbor Cruz, I, I, I got I to gotta bring it to you, sir. Well, I think they're having their FAFO moment. Um, you know, they're fucking around and they're finding out. And yes. <laughs> when I wrote my essay, Crimes Against Humanity, I was doing the research for that. And what Pew said was that 61 percent of Americans were in favor of you know pro-choice legislation. And one of the things that really gets lost on the Christian right, who are always valuing about, you know, uh, religious freedom, is that in Judaism and Islam, those faiths say that women have a right to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. 
So if they have a blanket ban on abortion, they are now taking away the religious freedom in violation Ooh. of the First Amendment. Thank you. Of Jews and Muslims. Mm-hmm. And also Christians, because there are a lot of Christians who are emphatically pro-choice. And I think um, when Justice Henry Blackman wrote the majority opinion on Roe v. Wade, he he said that states could do harm to women by denying abortions. And now there's this clown in uh, North Carolina named Bo Hines that I just read about tonight. And he wants to have abortion uh, be restricted to incest and rape, but only if women go through a community tribunal. What? Thus making them, yeah, thus making them relive their trauma before that they can, I mean, that is the kind of extremism that we're up against. And I'm, I'm glad that um, here in Pennsylvania, Dan McCaffrey was uh, elected to the state Supreme Court because the other option was, you know, funded by like abortion act or anti-choice activists. So yes, sir. we dodged a bullet here in Pennsylvania. I'm glad to hear it. Keith, let me ask you about uh, the Speaker of the House, Trump's little Johnson. Uh, you know, the honeymoon's clearly over for this guy, and we keep waiting to find out what are the skeletons in his closet. I think he's going to have a whole Narnia <laughs> land of skeletons in the back of his closet. Oh, God, We're going to yeah. get there. But um, what do you make of uh, of Mike Johnson uh, and where we're going right now? You've also been talking a lot about David Barton, and I mean, it seems like it's a really good time for Christian nationalists who would like to do away with our system of government and have a theocracy based on nothing Jesus actually taught. Right. No, you're exactly right. That that is the thing that I don't know if a lot of people are aware of um, with him is that he is um, not just a passing fan. I mean, like he has shared the stage with David Barton at events. He's introduced him as someone who has had a very uh, significant impact on his life and his religious and political views. And David Barton is a dangerous guy. Um, I came across him probably like six years ago. Um, and this guy is a he's a Christian nationalist. He's he believes uh he calls himself an historian, <laughs> but I want to let that you know. Is a joke. That's with air quotes. <laughs> he is not a historian. And actually there's been a bit of a scandal with that too, that uh his his credits uh, are not very valid uh when it comes to that. But yeah. I mean, bottom line, he's somebody who basically makes a living selling this idea to Christians. I mean, he's got like a 12 part DVD series uh, of like how America is a Christian nation. Thomas Jefferson was a wonderful Christian man. Right. The founding oh, fathers yeah. wanted to ask you know, his slaves the, about that. Yeah. Oh, no, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's, if you know the true history, it's ridiculous. But um, but, you know, I've watched these videos with him and listened to him talk about this. Um, he he believes the founding fathers intended for the Bible to be the the real the framework of our country, not the Constitution, which is Correct. ridiculous. Um, Correct. So all of this kind of stuff is really scary because this is someone who has the ear of the Speaker of the House. Right. Yeah. And um, knowing yeah. that he believes everything Barton is saying. And he's a grifter. Um, he, he's a grifter. Yeah. Like, like no yeah. teachings of Christ he actually fights for. Not out no. there trying to take care of the poor. Not no. out there trying to take care of people in prison. Not out no. there saying, don't be violent, but put up your sword. He's out there to fuck with gay people, to fuck with <laughs> women who need abortions, and to fuck <laughs> mm-hmm. with the migrants Christ commands us to receive. That's right. Yeah, yep. his views on LGBT rights is that they shouldn't have any. Um, yeah. And they should, or they have the right to be straight, you know? And so, yeah, yeah it's very dangerous um, if this guy has any influence um, on legislation and the government. It's not going to be a good thing. Boom. I completely agree. Um, you guys have any mm-hmm. thoughts on <laughs> on these, these, these characters out of Handmaid's Tale? Go ahead, December. Yeah. 
just to piggyback on what we were talking about earlier about this, the whole pro-choice thing, I'm actually pro-life, but I think there is a, this, there's this false equivalency between pro-life and you're either pro-life or you're for people having abortions. You yeah. could, God, the scriptures say, choose this day whom you would serve. Okay. So God is pro-choice, but he's also pro-life. I, I think you could be both yes. in that. If mm-hmm. you don't want an abortion, don't go get one. But oh, don't yeah, keep ooh. other people from going to get one if they think they need That's one. Right. That's it. I, I'm That's pro-life. It. Have the baby if you can have the baby. Have If you can. If you cannot or you don't think you can or you don't want to, don't. It really is that simple. Mm-hmm. It really is that simple. And I'm learning, you know, these people are not about pro-life anyways. They're not. They're about no. pro-control. Because if they're about pro-life, then they pass some freaking legislation that made sense, like guns, common sense gun laws or something like that. Mm-hmm. That so yeah. you could go to church, go to school, go to worship without thinking you're gonna get shot down, you mm-hmm. know, trying to get some groceries. That, that if they were pro-life, if they were really pro-life, they would pass some pro-life laws. They're mm-hmm. not pro-life, they're yes, pro-control. Thank you. And it goes yeah. all the way back to that they don't say it out loud too much. Well, they're saying it out loud more than they used to, but it's all about that replacement theory. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I think. You got yeah, it. Yeah, they want them. They want them white girls having babies because they think yeah. we're getting too brown around here. That's we're getting right. too Boom. brown around here. Boom. Yeah, now, I'm gonna need y'all to have these babies. I don't care if it's your uncle baby, your daddy baby, your rapist baby. We need you to have these babies because it's getting it's getting a little bit too brown around here. Okay, the chicken mm-hmm. is too brown on one side, and we need to flip it back over. You know what I'm saying? That's really yeah. what it's about, as far as I'm concerned. But you know what, Pastor Rose, the same people when I was a kid who used to always say black women are having too much babies. Too many babies, uh-huh. black women having pumped these babies out, these black women have these babies they can't afford. Now those same people are coming to me every day saying black women have too many abortions. People who don't uh, give a rat's right. ass about helping low-income people are talking no. about this Holocaust of black babies that you liberals are facilitating, and none of them back then or now ever talk about using the government to help lift people out of poverty. They just want to use the government to punish women with greater poverty. That's right. Yep. There you go. There you go. And they're not, it's, it's so false. It's so, it's the hypocrisy is so steep. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't yeah. care about, they don't care. They say they care about black babies, but they don't care about black bodies though. Boom. They don't Boom. care about black, black bodies. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care about that. Do- and if you come up there to them with that, you know, they get all defensive and stuff, but it's true. It's true. You care more about a, a, a life that has, that's not living yet than you do about a life that has been taken. They're not going to yeah. be out here with no pickets, with no signs picketing, <laughs> police shooting down black people they don't care about black bodies no, 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 that, no. i don't no, I, those lives, I don't believe nope. that they care about black babies oh yeah they're not really pro-life when it comes to uh innocent unarmed black people being shot by police that doesn't right. really come into it no. dylan i want to ask you to weigh in on mike johnson and, and david barton as well i i think it's great that we're going to learn all about mike johnson's fans and again my frustration is with the media culture that never asks these people what teaching of jesus do you guys fight for because there are none that mm-hmm. i can find what, what's your take well, he, when he got, when he took the gavel, he said it was ordained by God. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I can only assume that he's looking at Romans 13, which is what they often do. Yeah. Well, guess what, Mike, if you're going to talk about all authority being handed down from God, then read the first amendment, because that's been the authority, I guess, handed down from God since the constitution was written. And Romans 13 also says, pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that, and, and, and Paul talks about, again, love of neighbor and the greatest commandment in that chapter. Mm-hmm. And when Mike John, when Mike Johnson tries to subvert the constitution to 
bend it to his th theocratic will, he's literally going against his own logic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, and well, it infuriates the hell out of anybody with a sense of decency. But right. he also feeds into the covetousness of the hyper wealthy who say, we don't have enough. We have to have all of the money. So mm -hmm. let's make tax shelters. Uh, and, and, and he wanted to try to defund the IRS by something like $15 billion, 14, $15 billion. Make the rich uh, richer, make to, the rich more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Right. exactly. So I, I think that he's very selective clearly very selective in, in, in his lens and his hermeneutical lens uh, and how he views the Bible and that he just, he doesn't follow his own rhetoric when he says no. these things, because also he tried to overturn the election, which again, if, if all authority, if we're going to take Paul's very contextual letter to a Roman church out of context and, and make it about every time and every place, then Joe That's Biden right. is the elected president of the United States. And Thank you're you. going yes. against That's God's the governing authority, authority appointed by God. Right. They always forget that when there's a D behind the guy in the White House. And again, I think exactly. when Mike when Mike Johnson gives credit to God for making him the speaker, he's clearly confused God with um, Matt Gates. Easy mistake right. to make, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got to ask you, Dylan, uh, you know, you are a, a veteran of our armed forces. And I, I, I wanted to ask how you feel as someone who is so spiritual um, and someone who has great respect for the armed forces about uh, the way we always glorify our military and glorify all things martial in general. Well, it just so happens that 33 years ago today, I heard senior drill instructor Staff Sergeant Beckton release my platoon from boot camp and I, quote unquote, earned the title Marine. Congratulations. And I am a disabled veteran. The, the VA pays me at 100% for PTSD that I got as a service-connected disability. So what I'm about to say is going to piss some people right off. The glorification of the military in this country is a propaganda game. And what it does is that it tacitly puts the military above reproach. Now, Herbert Goring at the Nuremberg trials told people that all you got to do to get people to get on board with war is to say that they're being attacked and then, then blame the pacifist. Yes, you're right. Well, we take it a step further. Watch any NFL game on a Sunday. What do you see? Military flyovers, giant flags. Yeah. Go to a baseball game. You see a veteran of the week. All of these things put the military up on a pedestal so that we cannot in any way criticize them or the actions that the military is taking. So Norman mm -hmm. Schwarzkopf, Storm and Norman, War criminal. Absolutely a war criminal. They buried buried alive. People mm -hmm. in the sand. In the popular in the thousands. popular the popular Gulf War in ninety one. In the yeah. popular yeah. Gulf War. Exactly. Yeah. So and the thing about this is is that Jesus there's no Jesus in that. Right. Tertullian said that when Jesus disarmed Peter, he disarmed everybody or nice. should. And for the first 300 years, there is no written record of any Christian being a soldier because Christianity said you couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So if yeah. we're going to have a Christian nation like these Christo-fascists want, then we have to stop spending damn near $900 billion on the military. Yep. Boom. Preach. 
Sell it. Yeah. This is the God Squad on Sirius XM Progress. <laughs> we are always so thrilled to welcome to the show Dylan Cruz, uh, December Rose Waddleton, and of course, Keith Giles. And Keith, I, I wanted to take a moment to ask you to talk about uh, Jesus and the eunuch, because um, yeah. I, I'm always a big fan of discussing that term in relation to uh, Matthew 19 and when it comes to uh, how we treat each other. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is something I think that kind of uh, the last time we were on last month, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about, uh, again, but in the, in the context of Mike Johnson and the way he's so, you know, and and so many others like him that um, are passing these anti-trans laws and anti-drag queen laws and uh, really attacking uh, people that are in LGBTQ communities. And again, most of the time, quoting scripture as they do it, right, that Romans says this and uh, yeah. Leviticus says that and stuff like that. And um, there's a, a very interesting passage that they never want to quote, uh, but I think it's it's something, again, it shows you they're cherry picking what they want. But there's a verse in Matthew 19 where Jesus, it's really funny because they love quoting the verse just ahead of it because they, oh, they, they love quote, quoting that. They because, use it against gay people, male right, and female, he made them. Jesus, Jesus defined marriage. But again, that's not what's happening. They didn't say, hey, Jesus defined marriage. They asked him about divorce. Well, of exactly. course, in the context of, you know, first century Palestine, that was only between men and women, because at the time, that's all there was. So he yeah. answered the question of divorce, of course, between a man and a woman. That's all he and was he doing. Overturn, he overturns the Old Testament law on divorce. He does. Because back then, a guy and, could and, just and, kick his wife to the curb. That's right. And, and, and in fact, what's really going on there, again, is another misunderstanding, is like, you know, when he says, you know, he says that, you know, you can only divorce for uh, in uh, for infidelity, basically, for adul adultery. Yes. And... Um, and what they're missing is that, again, in that system, uh, at that time in first century Palestine, the men had the power to divorce the woman any, for any reason at will. And so it, yeah. it was oppressing women. And so what Jesus yeah. was doing was equalizing this situation. Correct. He saw He's the being women were feminist. being oppressed by this. And he said, Not no, no, I'm going to give power to the woman. Now the woman, if she wants to break the marriage covenant, she can break it too. Whereas before only the man could break it. And you know that that's exactly what he was doing because his own disciples, not even the Pharisees he's talking to, his own disciples behind him are like, what? They Literally yeah. what they say is, if that's the way it's going to be between a man and a woman, why get married at all? Like, hey, if I can't just divorce my wife at will, what's the point, right? Yeah. And so Jesus mm -hmm. turns to them, what I love, because he doesn't contradict them. He lets that hang like, yeah, why get married at all if you're a man and you and you don't have this power to oppress choice. women? And he goes, yeah. hey, by the way, here's something else in top of, on top of that. He goes, not all men can accept this, only those to whom it is given. He says there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. There are eunuchs who are made that way by men. And there are also eunuchs who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. And now let's says, clarify by eunuch, by, by, by eunuch, he means the, the kinds of men who these divorce yeah. laws don't apply to because there's that's three right. kinds of guys who just aren't going to get married. Go ahead, Keith. That's right. No, that, that's a great point. Exactly. He now, he now is, is pivoting and he even warns them, hey, what I'm about to say is going to be probably too much for you to handle right now, but I'm going to go in and say it anyway because maybe eventually this will click, right? But if you can accept this, you should accept this. So here's the thing, right? There are these eunuchs. Again, he gives you these three different kinds. But again, like you said, a eunuch, were, they were known in the first century as sort of non-heteronormative, sexually, act, sexually active people. Most Christians yes. will say a eunuch was like, you know, they were celibate. But that is not the case. Uh, a eunuch at that time actually was celebrated because they were sexually active, but they couldn't make someone pregnant. Well, right. there's three so, kinds, right? There's three kinds there's of three eunuchs. Kinds. It's, it's an umbrella. Yes. Yeah. So one one of them is 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 people who become eunuchs. Uh, right. They're made eunuchs by men. Does that mean castration? That's right, castration. Okay. Right. 
and then that there's and there's some that that sort of choose to be, to behave as eunuchs for the kingdom of God. Which, by the That's way, that would spiritual be Jesus. celibates. That would be Jesus because he didn't get married, and Paul, who also didn't get right. married. And by the way, wrote a letter saying he wished that everybody was like him, also not getting married. So not a big mm-hmm. pro family thing. Uh, you know, again, P- Jesus and Paul and, and early Christianity gets gets painted as pro family. Um, if you lived in the first century, if you ask anybody, hey, are these Christians pro family? They'd be like, absolutely not. Right? No. They're not pro family. Mm-hmm. They're telling you not to get married. Um, they're telling they're re- Jesus is redefining family. He's saying, yeah, that's my mother. That's my sister. That's my brother. Not his actual brothers and sisters, but just the people that are you know following him. But getting back to the eunuch again, it's it's the, the third type of point. eunuch. Yeah, yeah. The significant point is that at this point in the conversation, Jesus turns and says, "There is this other category that's not male, no, not not you know, not not male, not female in the sense of you're thinking in this in this marriage, this heterosexual union, right? This idea of the family." He's saying, "No, there's another category, and it's it's you know, gender neutral or it's non heteronormative. It's people that are not going to engage in these kinds of things." And he says that it's okay. He says we should accept this, right? And so the fact that he's, he's talking about men who are born that way, right? He's talking and about yes, men again, who are born. The point that he says they're born that way, right? They're so never going to marry me. women. They're That's born right. that way and they're never going to marry women. That's, That's what he right. says about them. That's right. They're born that way. So, you know, this it, it's, a, it's a radical thing. Of course, we would expect that Jesus would say something radical, and he did. Um, he points to this non-traditional, sexually ambiguous, non-heterosexual person as an example of the ideal member of the kingdom of God. So we, Jesus is saying, no, 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 these people exist. They're born that way. We should, we should accept them. We should honor them. And he, he understood at the time, he, I, you probably aren't going to get it, but you should consider this. This is something to think about. I love this chapter. And I also love that Trump supporters who want to justify homophobia yes. quote a passage where Jesus forbids heterosexual divorce. While they support (laughs) Donald Trump. That's just beautiful. Now, there's another story that I'd like to ask you about, Pastor Rose, but we got to take a break. So here's my question. Can you all stay a little bit later? We can take our break right now. And when we come back, I'd love to talk to you, Pastor Rose, before we round it out about the very sad and preventable story of Bubba Copeland, which pretty much tells us everything we need to know about how mean fundamentalist Christianity in this country is. Can you can you all stay with us, please? We'll be back in just a moment. This is SiriusXM. And welcome back. Pastor Waddleton, I, I want to ask you about what, for my money, could be the, the saddest story I've, I've heard all year, and that's about a man who was named Fred Bubba Copeland. He was 49, husband, father of three, and the mayor of a tiny town in Alabama called Smith Station with a population of uh, just over 5,000. And he was also the pastor of the First Baptist Church of, uh, of Phoenix City. Uh, pastor Rose, can you tell us the story of uh, Pastor Copeland? Well, from what they reported... A news outlet, a conservative news outlet, found out that he had some social media handles uh, that he was, uh, un, you know, behind the scenes posting things about. And under one of those um, social media handles, he went by the pseudonym Brittany Blair Summerlin, and which he described himself uh, or herself on that site as a transitioning transgender girl. And he posted pictures to that site um, in women's clothing and makeup. And um, amongst other things, there were some other things there, but that was the main thing. And uh, in no he, way lascivious, Pastor, right? In no way, no nudity, no sexuality, just him. Not, and, no, and, they don't report anything of that sort. Yeah. Yeah. They don't report anything of that sort. And they got 
he asked them not to make the public. He did. They didn't make it public. Of course, they did this expose on him. And a couple of days later, he took his life. He took his life. And I think it's so sad that the public knowing who he is behind closed doors, not that he was any, we don't, we don't know that he was any kind of pervert or anything like that. We just, he just liked to dress in women's clothes and wear makeup that that depressed him to the point of taking his own life. And when Incredible. I think about that, I think about the laws that people want to pass that, that they want to uh, put into place where people cannot be themselves yes. and how depressing that is for certain people and the suicide rates among transgender youth and individuals. Yes. And this man, he could not cope with those two worlds colliding. He couldn't go yeah. with it. And I think that is so sad that that was it was so unacceptable. He was so unacceptable to himself that he was yeah. a judge during executioner of himself. Former and Senator Doug so Jones, sad. the former Senator Jones, a friend of this show, knew the mayor. And he said, we live in a mean, bitter world where the self-righteous tend to throw the largest stones. I, I'm pretty sure no one ever accused Pastor Copeland of any kind of impropriety, any kind of sexual harassment or sexual misconduct. He said they were pictures he took with his wife that they were just having fun. They posted it on a site and that's it. Now he's gone. His children have no dad. And it's just, and, and the same people who attacked him, you know, are the people who crow the loudest about how pious they are. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I want to read this. This is what his statements when everything came out and he seemed to have a sense of humor too. He seemed like a pretty cool guy. Uh, it says that in his remarks uh, that he spoke to the church, um, he said they were in an attempt to humor because he knows that he's not a handsome man or a beautiful woman either. Yeah. And But he said, I apologize for any embarrassment caused by my private personal life that has become public. This will not cause my life to change. This will not waver my devotion to my family, serving my city, serving my church. I'm thankful for the God of grace. I mean, the grace of God and the willingness to forgive. I have nothing to be ashamed of. A lot of things that were said were taken out of context. In conclusion, I love my family. They're number one. And again, I'm sorry for what my actions have caused. The part in here that struck me so um, is that him saying, I'm thankful for the grace of God and the willingness to forgive. I have nothing to be ashamed of. But apparently he was extremely ashamed. And he oh, did he believe was, that he had something to be ashamed of. And I just find that horribly. so, yes. I just find that hours, so horrific. 48 yeah. hours of just seeing his whole world torn to shreds. And now he's not there. And the people who attacked him and mocked him for their own sport have moved on to persecuting other people. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think um, at the end of the day, we want to put like a, a trans, we want to put like a, a rebellious teenager behind transgender and this and that. These are everyday people. These are good mm-hmm. people. Uh, these are people just trying to be themselves. And yeah. I really don't understand why people just cannot mind their own damn business. I don't understand it. I, there's so yep. much going on in my life. I don't have time to mind somebody else's business. If you mm-hmm. want to wear a dress, wear a dress. <laughs> if you're not doing nothing perverse, you know, toward children or toward sexual harassing anybody, do do you, boo? Consenting do adults, you. Man. you want to wear a you dress, wear a dress. Pastor Rose, <laughs> we're almost out of time. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work? I'm everyone on social media under December Rose, and that's D-E-S-I-M-B-E-R. Rose. That's how you can find me on. I'm, I'm not on Instagram as much as I need to be, but I'm there. Instagram, Facebook, and sometimes yeah. Twitter. Now X or whatever the heck that dude is calling himself. <laughs> this platform. <laughs> Dylan, with our final moments, do you have any final thoughts? And how do we follow you? Well, I want to want to say that the um, the longest serving or most decorated Marine when he retired was Major General Smedley Butler. And since yes. we're coming up on um, Veterans Day uh, this week. 
he said that war is a racket and that he spent his entire 33 year career in the Marine Corps as a gangster for capitalism. Mm -hmm. And I want people to think about that when they're thinking about veterans and the kind of shit that we get put through uh, going to do gangster for capitalism kind of stuff and then have to wait for months for treatment at the VA and stuff like that. Um, But you can, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, You can find me on tattoodtheologian.com and Facebook. Uh, My books are on Amazon. Keith, we only got 30 seconds left. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and your work? Next time we'll do the full hour, I promise. Sure. Uh, KeithJohns.com is my blog. And if you want a book about Jesus um, and nonviolence, read Jesus Unarmed, a book I wrote that John saying wrote the forward to, came out two years ago today. Go check it out. Thank you both so much. What a pleasure. We'll make it more time next time. Uh, Guys, I love what you're doing. Thanks for classing up our show. 